Good morning, everyone. At least this morning for me. I hope y'all are doing awesome. So today we're going to talk about receiving personal revelation. And why is this important? I think it's important for one main big reason. And that is because we are coming into a day and age right now where I think we're going to res- we're going to run into a lot of things that are confusing, a lot of voices and a lot of uh impersonation of voices. So f- just to give an example, um ChatGPT and like bots and whatever you want to call it AI is extremely good right now and is getting better by the minute at impersonating people. And I tell you, it will not be long, and mark my words on this, it will not be long until we are seeing almost exact replicas of people's voices and even people's faces. And it will start to become, and there will be so much chatter in the airwaves about 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 a topic or something and you're going to hear voices from either the prophet or the president or you name it some public figure that you admire and look at as as our leader and you're going to have to discern whether that's true or not and so i think if we are going to and this is not just coming from me this is coming from president nelson the prophet i believe along with him it is vital, it's critical that us, especially as dads, to lead our families through personal revelation for yourselves and your families. It's, it's critical. And it's becoming more so now than ever. And if you don't, if we don't right now, build and learn that skill of personal revelation, we're going to be left behind. Just like the 10 virgins. The ones that were prepared were the ones that were letting to let into the wedding feast. And I I just I just feel it coming. And there's a reason I'm recording this episode right now and it's I was thinking about doing a different a different topic and a different you know thing but this is the this is the purpose for this one right now cuz I think man it's coming. And if we don't build this skill, we're going to wish we had. In fact, I was talking to a guy a couple of days ago on, and just a fellow that I know and who is just amazing, who is, who he himself has gotten really good at receiving personal revelation. And he said, now I'm not trying to freak anybody out with this, but he said it is, it is going to be critical spiritually and physically for us as fathers to receive personal revelation for our families. I don't exactly know exactly everything he meant by that, but I'm going to just simply trust that, all right, we got to get, get down into this and get good at this. Now, that being said, I don't claim to know everything about receiving personal revelation. However, I've learned some things and I want to share what I've learned. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. Um, I have... As weird as it sounds, a lot of what I've learned, it comes through just my work. And I guess that's the cool thing about work is if you really dedicate yourself to it, you can learn some cool stuff. 
And I'll bet each and every one of you listening has learned cool things at work that you didn't, maybe didn't know before, or maybe you haven't thought you learned unless you actually look at it and go, yeah, that actually is a, it's a gospel truth, which by the way, there is actually nothing different between gospel truth and normal truth. It's all gospel truth. If there is truth, it belongs to God and therefore it is part of his gospel. So if you're learning truth about, about health and fitness and eating, then that that's part of his truth. It doesn't have to be direct the word of wisdom. <laughs> okay. If you are learning things about business that are true, that's his gospel. If you're learning principles of, of liberty, that's his gospel. Okay, moving on. So principle number one, and don't get too hung up on the order of these because they might be out of order, maybe for you or in general. But I'm going to start with this one principle of receiving personal revelation, and that is be still and know that I am God. That comes from DNC, a couple different spots. One of them is DNC 101 verse 16. It says, therefore, let your hearts be comforted concerning Zion. For all flesh is in mine hands. Be still and know that I am God. To me, that just speaks these couple scriptures where he says those exact, that exact phrase come from a situation where either the saints or some group is, is worried and they're kind of in a frenzied state of mind and, and focusing too much on their own efforts and how to fix some issue. And he's like, look, you are in my hands. Think of that, being in Christ's hands. Think of what else is in his hands. Think of what marks are there that he left so that we can remember him and know him and recognize him. We're, we're there, we're protected and we don't need to think that anything weird that happens to us isn't part of his plan. (laughs) He, it, it all is. So I wouldn't, so be still and know that I am God, not me, but you know, you get it. So how does, how does this apply to receiving personal revelation? Whenever I seek personal revelation, which hopefully is daily. (laughs) I do best when I seek him with a calm spirit. And that may sound funny, but it's, I should say it's when I seek him, I try to do so with a calm spirit, a neutral spirit without attachment to the outcome. So if you find yourself praying with too, too high of emotions, either positive or negative, realize that your answers are probably going to be skewed. So Moroni 10, he says, ask if you ask with a sincere heart, with a real intent, then that's what will give you the answer. I don't remember why I put the scripture in here. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it's just if you if you do what Moroni says and you ask with a sincere heart and real intent, then you're not attached to the outcome and therefore you can be neutral in your questioning and your asking. So that's number 1. Be still and know that I am God. 
So to illustrate this with a little story, uh, I went to a private school and awesome school, loved it, graduated early, wrote a whole thesis and learned a ton, mostly about history and just fell in love with, with our founding fathers, with, you know, history in general and, and God's hand in building the nations. And anyways, fast forward 10, 12, however many years, this was 2019, maybe 2020, somewhere on there. I went to this school to a, a meeting and was basically called in for a job interview. <laughs> and so the, an unexpected thing, I went to, for a different meeting uh, just to go back and visit with, uh, with the, with my old teacher and stuff. And anyways, went back and he, uh, and this person interviewed me, said, Hey, we want to, you know, we've been, we've been praying for, for this, uh, to fill this position and you showed up and it just was like, bing, we think you, we think you're the perfect fit. And I'm like, hold on, <laughs> this isn't part of, part of my path or at least what I have had been planning. And I'm like, I appreciate the the gesture saying that you received personal revelation on my behalf, but come on, let's, uh, anyway, so I was a little bit, a little bit, a little bit bugged about that, but I loved this school and I wanted to make sure that wasn't, make sure it wasn't just me not wanting to, get, want to, not wanting to go and teach here. So anyways, I told him, you know what, I'll give it a week. I said, I'll teach for you for a week and, uh, and we'll test it out and see how it goes. And during this week, I really, really tried to put, I, I did my best effort to be neutral, but it was hard because honestly, I didn't want to teach it because I knew it wasn't going to be, bring me the financial success that I was wanting. It was going to take time and effort and energy to prepare these lessons, etc. You know, it wasn't necessarily going to be a full-time position, but I was just like, oh man, it was really it just wasn't going to be the right fit, or at least that's how I felt. So anyways, so that was a tough situation for me because I didn't, there was a certain answer I just didn't want. (laughs) I didn't want to go and teach here. And so I find my, I found myself asking with this feeling of, uh, uh, what's the answer, but please don't let it be this. (laughs) And Anyways, in the end, I chose to not go teach at this place, and i i felt I felt good about that about that choice. It wasn't something where I felt this big, strong. You should not do this, but it was just simply a that's not aligned with your family's goals right now. And and so I took that and said, okay, well, that's that's my choice. Anyways, so that's a one another story is uh some of you may even remember this who's listening there was me and a sister a couple sisters i think and some cousins we wanted to go with this school back this is way back in the day to go to visit the holy land and it was going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars way more than we were able to come up with ourselves and we wanted to go really bad but Really, the only way to come up with the money was to go and ask to go ask business owners for a tax deductible donation for these to help us go on this trip. <laughs> uh, not a very good value proposition, but anyway, so we went to these different these different businesses, people we knew, people we didn't know. It was 
it was one of the toughest sales things I had ever done up to that point. And it was grueling and miserable. And we made all sorts of mistakes in anyways. <laughs> so there came a point where we came, we, we came to be a little bit desperate. And just imagine this, it was like four, four to $5,000 a person. And there was five of us or more, it might even been six or seven of us trying to get these donations. So times five times seven, what is that? 35? Imagine this, we're trying to raise 35 grand within, I think the deadline was a couple weeks or a month or something. And we became a little bit desperate and we, we went to my mom and she said, why don't you pray about it? And I'm so grateful for my mom listening to the spirit to invite us to pray. And we're like, fine, you know, we're teenagers. I think it was like 15 or whatever. And so we, we all kneeled down in a circle and there had been a certain lady that we had already asked for donations. And, and this particular woman came to us and it was literally almost all of us. And it was like this, that was one of my first instances of receiving personal revelation. And that vo- that name came to, came to all of us. We got done with the prayer and we're like, that's the person we need to go ask. And so we went to this person again after she had already said no. <laughs> and that was, that was an interesting experience. She ended up not choosing not to, to sponsor any of us, but, but it was still really cool to have had that experience. And again, we, we didn't go through, go about it right. And maybe we should have tried again or tried more or whatever, but but the principle or the lesson that I learned was that God does listen to us and, and he can tell us. And that was cool. It was cool that all of us had thought of that name. Okay. Now the second principle is pray in the name of Christ. And now you might hear that and go, well, duh, <laughs> I've been taught that since I was a kid. Let's think about this a little bit differently though. In DNC 18, verse 40, it says, and you shall fall down and worship the father in my name. So we are told that every prayer is to be offered in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean to pray in the name of Christ? Does it simply mean that those are the words that allow our prayers to somehow reach the father? I used to think that I kind of, this, this didn't sit well with me for, so for a long time, I actually thought that to pray in the name of Christ meant that we were to pray to the father as if his title were Christ. Does that make sense? So you're praying to the father as if his name was Christ. So praying to the father in the name of Christ. And, and then too many scriptures just kind of proved that false. <laughs> and so I'm like, eh, all right, that's not the right way to think about it. But, and then I had a different experience and this was actually pretty recent. It was shoot only a couple months ago. I realized as I was praying that what if praying to the father in the name of Christ meant that we take upon ourselves 
the title of Christ, the name of Christ, and pray to the Father as if we were Christ? How would that change our prayers? If we knew we were supposed to be like him and ask what he would ask for. Imagine yourself being, what do you call that? Uh, uh, an agent of somebody or a, a having the power of attorney for somebody where you can do anything that you need to in their name. So if you need to go sign some documents, you can do that and sign for them. If you need to make some major financial decisions, you can do that in their name. Think of that. What are we asking for? What are we, what are we desiring? What are our prayers about? And are those things what Christ would ask for? Interesting how it changes the dynamic of a prayer. And you start thinking, oh, okay. So at least me, I start thinking, all right, I am now supposed to align myself more with Christ and and also not only what he would ask for, but who he would be while asking these questions. And not just while, but in general. So it it it, it puts the responsibility not on the Father in fulfilling these 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 requests or prayers. It re- puts the responsibility on us to be like Christ. And just to corroborate this, King Benjamin talks about giving his people a new name. And if you read closely, he says, I would that you should take upon you the name of Christ. To me, that just, it fits. And when I thought about that, and I was, that was a personal revelation that I received. And the more I thought about it, the more I loved it. I thought, I like this. And I'm not saying that there's, that there's merit, that there's not merit in just praying in the name of Christ in general, like we always have, but to me, this was powerful. And then, and this is also another, another reason why the church needs to be called by its proper name, not the Mormon church, not the LDS church, but the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because that is putting the name of Christ on the Latter-day Saints. So on my mission, I loved, I loved it when people would ask, <laughs> shoot, we would be walking on the street and we would hear this, ¿Quién es Mormón? <laughs> which in Spanish just means, who's Mormon? <laughs> and we would just, and we'd go, and we'd just turn right over to that person and go talk to him. And that happened a lot. Shoot, it felt like it was daily that people would ask us, who's Mormon? And I loved that question because then I could explain, look, Mormon's a prophet. We're, really, we're not even called Mormons. Like, it's just a nickname. Please realize. And that was one of my main things. I just like, like, look at this tag. Look at this badge I have. It. It says, like, there's two names on here. One of them is my name, Elder Nielsen. And then the only other name is Christ. It had the name of the church. And that was the biggest name. It was the, it was the other, those are the two most prominent letters even in the badge. Like, this is the church of Jesus Christ. It's not Mormon's church. And it was so cool to explain that to people. And if nothing else, be planting these seeds all over Paraguay that we are representatives of Christ, not Mormon. So anyways, um, so I urge us that next time we say those words in the name of Jesus Christ, to pause and ponder 
what that means and who we must be to really to really mean those words that we're saying. And I guarantee that when we are striving to act as he would act and ask for what he would ask for, we will be guided. Guarantee it.